right, three, two, one, what's up? This is Dumbest in the Room. Intros are for nerds, so we're not going to do them. Uh, today we have Corey Siegel. Uh, I went to high school with Corey for a year. That's the only reason I know him. haven't spoken to him in minimum 10 years, but uh, I see things pop up on Facebook. So I'm sure there's a more nonce description of what you're doing right now, but it seems like you are traveling and making food. What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. For the last six years, I've been developing my skills and competing internationally. Uh, so I started after high school, I went to the Culinary Institute of America and started competing really early on. And I had a goal to be on Culinary Team USA. So I started working throughout different parts of the country, uh, all in a goal to make these teams. And so I've been competing in France, Luxembourg and Germany. Uh, and now I'm working for a company called Electrolux Professional. And it's taking me all over the country again, uh, really just sharing my love for food. Okay, so that's excellent. So actually, that covers a bunch of things I want to talk about real quick. So the first thing is you you decided you were like, okay, I want to do competitive cooking. Any particular inspiration for that? I started when, when I was in high school. There was a vocational program that I attended. and I hated going to school, hated math and English and all this. Uh, so by doing this vocational program, I could do culinary arts, and then I only had to come back and do English and gym. So this was the perfect scenario. And when I was in my first year, uh, my instructor had me start doing competitions, and I lost the first one. I came in last place, and then I did another one. And <laughs> That's how it I goes. Finished, finished just as well. And then, uh, you know, I went, to, I went to culinary school at the CIA, and I did another competition. And I didn't do as bad, but... All the other top schools were there, and I didn't, I didn't do as well as I wanted to, and I felt really embarrassed, and I, I felt like I had to seek mentorship because it, it really just struck a note in me that I wanted to, I wanted to know what it took to win, and uh, it just kind of lit a fire inside me. Okay, that's fantastic. So the in inspiration came from within. That's awesome. Good for you. Uh, okay, so I guess I'm going to sound a little ignorant, but uh, I'm not very well versed in competitive cooking. I can't say I've ever watched. I haven't watched any TV series that go about this. So in your, so for example, your first competition, what what they have you do? What is it? Uh, I can't. I can't even remember that okay, first. Just, Are you just, just a, yeah, just, okay, so your average, your, yeah, you're, so you were in Luxembourg. What are you doing? There's how many of you on the U.S. national team? So in Luxembourg, there was uh, five chefs on the team, and we started with 40 that applied to even be on the team, and then through a series of cold food and hot food competitions, it was broken down uh, to the final five chefs that were on this Team USA. So we practiced for about two years, getting ready to go over to Luxembourg, and Luxembourg is set up into two different categories. So you have the cold food display, which has your large pastry showpiece, uh, petty fours, finger foods, buffet platter for eight people. And then you go into what's called the restaurant of nations. So you have about five and a half hours to prepare for 120 people, a three course meal and everything's from scratch throughout that process or throughout service. So at five and a half hours, service opens and you start cooking, ordering one fish, picking up two dessert, and you start cooking just like a restaurant. Somewhere in there, about four to eight judges will sample the plates, but you don't know when they're actually getting them. So every plate has to be gold medal or the best in the world. 
Okay, so they've just got random judges in there, and they're, you said they're eight out of, and by the way, I'm amazed that they, they do that. And so you got to choose the food, I assume? What is, what is, is there, I, I don't know, what are the parameters for what you can cook? So you have five and a half hours to prepare, and you say everything's from scratch, so you just decide, or you're given? Yeah, so we practice over, like I said, over the course of a year, two years, and we're given a set of guidelines, so... Uh, there has to be a fish course as the first course, and then you have to do some kind of meat or main protein. And then you have a dessert as the third course option. They want to see things that are from your country, things that the judges can learn from, things that are really influencing from your own background and country. Uh, and then we just we work as a team to think what's the best stuff we can possibly use, what do we want to showcase, and we keep um, going over and over and over working out all the kinks, trying to find better ingredients, better processes. How can we do things faster, cleaner, and uh, until we go over there and, and represent the U.S. on the world stage. Okay, so that's awesome. So I, I also wanted to talk about the individual countries then. So you're representing the U.S., but US by the way, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Proud, proud to have you representing us. That's that's incredible. So who are who are I suppose who are the dominant countries? So it must be it must be France. I feel like Japan's got to throw something out out there. Maybe the maybe the Scandinavians. I don't know who's good. Yeah, and and every competition around the world has its own kind of different uh, countries are are faring stronger in, in different competitions. So in the ones that we've been doing recently, the the Scandinavians are are leading the pack. Norway, Sweden, Denmark. And this year, we thought that Sweden was, was the team to beat, that they were the strongest. We were following them on Instagram. We made friends with them before. <laughs> okay, very cool. <laughs> uh, kind of going back and forth and kind of giving each other shit. Like, yeah, oh, perfect. Why not? You there, we'll see you there. And uh, actually, you know, we, we beat Sweden and we beat a lot of other countries. Um, but Singapore, so we won. We got a gold medal in hot food, gold medal in cold food this past October in Germany. And then we won the cold food as the best overall in the world. Now, everyone's judged individually. So essentially, everyone could walk out of there with a gold medal if they score high enough. But, so we got a golden hot food, golden cold, and then best overall in the world for the cold food. That put us as fourth place overall in the world. And it went Singapore, then Switzerland, then I don't even remember who came in third. Well, congratulations. That's awesome, too. I didn't know you. So you have somewhere sitting in your home a, a proper proper gold medal? Yeah, I have uh, five sitting oh, in my home. Oh, no way. Excellent. Okay, I didn't know this. Excellent. You bite them all? Wonderful. Um, okay, I suppose I was surprised uh, uh, France France wasn't, wasn't kicking ass as well. And I suppose uh, that not a lot of third world countries have, have uh, a strong presence because it's kind of a high barrier to entry sport i suppose right and so on your first point about france not finishing that high again to those countries doing better in certain realms uh in the Bocuse d'Or, which is actually held in lyon france every two years um france really dominates that competition and is is that the so i haven't is that the uh that's the what, what would we say super bowl that's the world is that the the event yeah that's that's the mag daddy and okay. that one's that's a two-man team for the Bocuse door. Okay, a two-man team, and uh, is that is that on your uh, is that on your agenda, my friend? <laughs> is that, is that uh, something so you'd love to do? 2013, and I was the apprentice for Richard Rosendale. So it was the two of us that went over, 
and competed and it was unbelievable you're cooking in front of a stadium of 4,000 people all from different countries and everyone's cheering in different languages and you have the announcer uh, doing their thing in three different languages so it's it's pretty crazy to do all that for the love of food oh that is absolutely surreal and uh, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me though uh, everyone loves food there's no country that doesn't there's no I, I haven't been to a country who has bad food. I'll say that. Everyone's got yeah. their own thing, and it's always good, right? Absolutely. Everyone eats. Uh, so I guess I just random question then. What's your what's your favorite cuisine right now? What's killing you? Uh, you know, I, I love trying different things. I think my – if I had to say my, my fail-safe is, like, chicken wings. Being from Buffalo, I come back from another country, and, like, I just eat, like, 40 chicken wings because I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm home. That's what I want. Um, but there's, there's so many different cuisines. I mean, America is definitely, uh, there's so many cuisines that are popping up and, and chefs that are so great in our own country. But I think when you have, you have Korean and Thai and Ethiopian, so many different unique cuisines. And I go to the Indian buffet every day. Ooh, for lunch. Yeah. As every day for lunch. <laughs> I like that. That's perfect. Oh, nice. Healthy and delicious. Okay. So, uh, about the USA, uh, so do you find you get a bad rep abroad? I think in years past, it was definitely, uh, you know, why are the Americans here? Uh, there's There was always that perception of we're hamburgers and French fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing that that stereotype has existed so long, quite frankly. I'm amazed that it's still, uh, I, I get that almost nonstop, uh, which I find quite shocking. So you don't face, I assume you don't face that in the professional world because these guys are professionals? Yeah, well, and and not recently. I mean, in 1988, the U.S. won uh, the overall championship over in Erfurt, Germany, or I think it was Frankfurt, Germany at the time. Um, but since then, we haven't fared well on any of these competitions. So it was always kind of like, yeah, the U.S. is good, but they're nothing to worry about until these last couple of years in France. Uh, we placed second in the Bocuse d'Or. So that was the first time ever hitting the podium in that competition. Then my team, we went to Luxembourg and Germany, or our team, I should say. We went to Luxembourg and Germany and finished in the top three with two gold medals in Luxembourg. Then we were fourth in Germany, but with the best overall in culinary arts. So, And then the U.S. team went back for Bocuse d'Or and ended up winning that competition in France. So I think the world is definitely looking at us a lot differently. And if you look at the San Pellegrino, the top 50 restaurants in the world, uh, you know, 11 Madison Park just won the best restaurant in the world. That has to say something. Yeah, he's a Swiss guy, but it's he's in the US. It's in New York City. Okay, that's awesome. And thank you for uh, for putting the good name out there. We needed we needed some love. Because I always find it, I find it shocking uh, the lack of diversity I see in in some other countries. Like, for example, Korea. Yes, the Korean food is out of this world, but can't get Mexican food, right? So right. that's what I enjoy most about the U.S. That's what I miss most, actually, is is the just diversity of food. We can get anything we want from anybody because they're all here, which is awesome. I think. Okay. So, for example, name a dish that you've made. So you won a gold medal, five-hour, 100-person, three-course meal. What did you make? So the first thing was fish. What? Yeah, so the first course for that competition was uh, it was a halibut loin with king crab and shrimp mousse uh, that was lightly poached off and sliced. 
It had a corn custard that was in the shape of a quenelle with a pickled beet underneath. Uh, you had a little potato presse that had caviar and a brioche crust. And then it had an aerated American sauce, so a lobster sauce. And uh, that was probably my favorite dish that we cooked over there. It was absolutely delicious, fresh, light, um, super tasty. Okay, very excellent. And that, that was a hit. Um, so you won the overall in the cold food though, right? Yes. So what, go ahead. So the cold food display is, uh, it's a whole table. So like I was saying, you have uh, a pastry, you have a whole category for pastry, a large chocolate or sugar showpiece. Then you have petty fours. Uh, you have four plated desserts, a buffet platter for eight people. Uh, we ended up doing duck. So it's a cold food presentation of duck for eight people. Then you have a three-course menu, lacto-ovo, which is the category that I did, uh, five-course gastronomic menu, and then finger foods there for the savory side. So on that whole table, you're judged on so many different things, and for us to come out with the, the grand champion of that was unreal. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And so you guys have predefined roles when you're going into this? We work as a team. We know that everything has is broken up. So we have all the different categories. You have your pastry categories, finger foods, and all those ones we just discussed. And we kind of look at ourselves and, and have to be honest and say, who's the strongest at, at what? And, okay, you know, Joey, you're the best at doing the finger foods, and you should be doing the plates, and you should do the platter. And we all kind of work, and maybe someone's struggling with something, or someone can make a better sauce that's going to set up on the plate. So we're always kind of working together to make sure that we have the team possible. And that's generally game time decisions then? No. So for the cold food, we go in with everything um, totally like we do everything the night before we have our whole plans out. So we're for these, these style competitions, it's not like a mystery basket. We know everything that we're doing months in advance and we, we practice um, for example, our team is comprised all over the U S and we would fly into Texas uh, once a month and spend about five days together. We would put up our whole program, critique it, break it down, go back home, test new recipes, send pictures, emails, phone calls, and then come back and meet in Texas again and say, okay, here, here's the next step. What do you guys think? Oh, that is absolutely fantastic. Okay. I didn't know you were doing a year's uh, worth of preparation into that. That's absolutely wonderful. And so te Texas was just chosen central location. Yeah, it was one of our sponsors ah, that okay. was there, so they let us use our kitchen, and we were super grateful for that. But, like, when we go over there, and a lot of these countries, to touch on your third world country um, competing in these, there's all these competitions are over in Europe. So the Europeans have a huge advantage already because they can drive to the arena, where we have to take everything. We're bringing all of our equipment, all of our food, and we have to ship it over there. You have to get your food through customs, your equipment through customs, the airfare, the everything, it's extremely expensive. Yeah, for a country like, like Guatemala and Mexico to be able to perform well over there is extremely difficult right off the bat. When you have like Team Sweden that's sponsored by everyone you can think of, they have matching like jumpsuits, they all have chef shoes, everyone's of matching, course, of course. they have these box, I mean they look like Van Halen rolling out of the truck <laughs> with all their stuff decked out on the side. You show up and you're like, ugh. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I just spent eight hours in a plane and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So actually I was going to ask about equipment because I was super curious about that because I would feel very uncomfortable, you know, cooking in a, you go to someone's house to make dinner for them and you're cooking in a new kitchen. You don't know what you're doing. And I feel like my small problems with that are probably amplified tenfold when you show up and you're used to a specific setup. So you actually do bring all of your equipment over? Everything. I mean, you want to mimic now the ovens and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah, gas ranges and whatnot. But most of it is, it kind of sounds funny, but like you're going into battle. You're going to be the best in the world. You're, you're competing against 32 other countries. So there's an extent of like when we competed in France, I was working at the Greenbrier at the time and we ripped out the whole kitchen that was there and put in an exact replica of what we were going to be competing in in France, the same ovens, the same sink, everything was the exact footprint. So when we practiced and when we went over there, it was just another practice run. Some of the other times we haven't had that luxury. So you move tables around, you try and mock it up the best you can. You have things like break down purposely because that could happen in the kitchen. So how are we going to recover from it? Uh, And you try to really just take all the variables out. So when you're over there and you're dealt with adversities, how can you uh, be on top of your game? Uh, that that's absolutely fantastic, Corey. I'm super impressed with that. That sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, what's your what, okay? So you're bringing all your equipment. Uh, first, I want to ask what what's chef shoes? Chef shoes, uh, like shoes to wear in the kitchen, non-slip okay. grip. Okay, so they're, they're, they're okay. I was gonna say, is there is they actually make them? There's a specific brand. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Okay. Um, oh, I did not know. This is wonderful. Okay, cool. I guess it is, yeah, so non-stick, of course, and then you want them, uh, I'm sorry, sticky, of course, and then you want them to deal fine with getting wet and covered in stuff, which I assume they do throughout the course of a night. Um, exactly. Okay. You spill something on your foot, you know, or right. a knife drop wanted to go through your yeah, shoe. Yeah, you don't want a knife. So, actually, I was going to ask, what's your baby then? What's uh, what's the piece of equipment that's your uh, that you bring everywhere? Is it? I assume it's a knife. Yeah, I mean, you know, a knife, you're only, you can only do so much if you don't have a knife, something to break things down with. Uh, so the knife is definitely a good start. But then, you know, traveling in other kitchens, now they have immersion circulators that are, are smaller and more portable for doing sous vide cooking. But uh, the, the biggest, the coolest part about my job right now is I'm in the technology world. I'm constantly playing with this new technology, this new equipment to come up with new recipes, ideas, and, and share them with the rest of the world so it's, it's kind of a blast okay so we've actually only been talking about uh the competitive cooking i suppose we'll talk about the job so uh you are doing what are you you're not in a restaurant you're in a testing facility what are you doing yeah so i'm the corporate executive chef for electrolux professional and we are an equipment manufacturer based in portanone italy and came to the u.s about 15 years ago and i've been on board for the last two and my role is I'll do pre-sale demonstrations on the equipment. So reps, sales guys will bring people in. I'll show them how they can cut labor, uh, save with efficiency on foods, lower their yields, or I'm sorry, get higher yields, uh, lower loss, cut down hood space, all these things because they're building a new project, maybe renovating. And then once customers get their equipment installed, we'll go out there, show them how to use everything, program the ovens. Then I do marketing side where I'm constantly testing the ovens and pushing the limits and all of our equipment that we have here. 
to promote them and say, hey, look what you could do with this. Did you even know that this was out there and you could do this? So, so that is most excellent. And that's how you're uh, that's how you're traveling around then is for promotional purposes. Exactly. Yeah. So either post-sale training or promotional trying to help help get some sales. And so what do you do? So you, I saw uh, I saw you were at a, a race course, I believe. Yeah. So the race course, we were working with NASCAR, um, cooking for some of the drivers and uh, looking at some possibilities to improve uh, the food service at some sports arenas and things like that. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's my question. So you're sent off uh, as a promotional for, for a kitchen equipment company and you get to NASCAR and what do you do? You enjoy yourself for three days or what is it? Yeah. Cooking for uh, drivers, you know, all these drivers have sponsors of these big companies that can all utilize our equipment. So cooking for grocery stores, um, getting some of their people that come in, cooking for some of the drivers, some of the team owners, uh, really just kind of networking and, and trying to get the brand out. Uh, so it's usually lunch and dinner every single day. And then, yeah, of course, you get to sit down and watch the – or sit in the pit, I guess. Sit in the pit, even better. Okay, <laughs> perfect. And, okay, so we're – All the burning rubber. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm sure that, I'm sure that adds a nice complexity to uh, all the flavors you're producing. Okay, so <laughs> what uh, – where else have you been then? So I saw you were in NASCAR. You told me you were in South America. I didn't see any uh, social media from that. What were you doing? You were in South America doing what? So for South America, I was actually in uh, Puerto Mont, Chile, and the Chefs Association down there held a seminar conference and asked uh, myself and one of my teammates to come down and talk. Uh, so we did an hour presentation. I was down there for about five days. So I got to go to some of the markets, um, meet the local people, eat the local food, and really just connect with the chefs and uh, talk about international competitions. So I showed videos and kind of told them all about the whole practice sessions and things like that. Oh, that is absolutely fantastic. So, okay, so recently, I don't know, give me a give me a wrap-up of the past, I don't know, half a year. So you, you got to go to NASCAR. You got to go to uh, – where, where was NASCAR? Which one? Uh, I cooked at Daytona and Talladega. Oh, very nice. Okay, awesome. So you got to go to NASCAR, you went down to Chile. What else were you up to? Yeah, the the whole year's kind of a blur. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. That's wonderful. That's a good year. Uh, New York, New Jersey, Baltimore, Philly, Delaware, uh, New Orleans, or however you're supposed to say it when you're from there. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's good enough. We're, neither of us are, so we'll accept it. You've been going every 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 week then is what that sounds like. You So you're spending less than half the time in your home base is Charlotte? Yeah, so I'm based in Charlotte and I'm on the road constantly. Uh, but it's it's great. I'm constantly meeting new chefs, seeing new operations, and I learn a ton while I'm out there and get to meet some really cool people. Uh, that is absolutely awesome. So you got to network and what's your, I guess, what's your end game? What do you want to do? Keep competitive cooking forever? You want to end up doing what? That's the million dollar question. Yeah, trying to figure it out. We all are, I guess, but uh, no, no interest in your own, uh, no interest in nailing down a restaurant or something. Uh, there's always the potential. Uh, right now, I'm still kind of trying to push my own limits and and learn and uh, explore the world, kind of see what I, what's out there before I I have to put twenty four seven into a restaurant. I want to kind of maximize my quote unquote free time right now. Um, really fulfilling it before I have to, like I said, commit to being at a restaurant 
Right, right, right. Because now you you have the ability to travel and learn from everything that's going on where right now you don't specifically need the stability. You're looking for the, the ups and downs, I guess, which is great. Um, that gives you a huge chance to learn. So that's awesome. I think that's a, a great decision as well. I wanted to go back to uh, competitive cooking, though, because that's actually what, what interests me. I want to know actually the scoring. So you said in the 125-person uh, competition, you had the eight judges. And so these eight judges, you don't know. Where are they from? They are from all of the countries that are competing. So if you have 32 countries competing, they're in, it's a representative from each. So Japan, Singapore, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Mexico, all, all of those. All of them have one. And uh, how, how do you end up getting scored? So, yeah, like if you look in the hot kitchen, the hot kitchen, you have a kitchen judge that's going to look at the sanitation. Is your food kept under refrigerated temperatures the whole time? Uh, if you have raw proteins out, did you wipe and sanitize your board uh, to kill any bacteria before putting it away? Are you working well as a team together? Are you communicating? Do you look like you're just winging it or are you flowing together? And then they look at the food and um, how's the flow of service going? Was the food hot? Was it flavorful? Were the textures cooked properly? All these little things that, that we judge cuisine on. You have So you have blind tasting judges. So they don't necessarily know what country they're tasting. So they're eating the food and they can't be subjective. Uh, and that way it's more of a fair, fair match. And we even have to submit pictures several months before of what we're making. So they'll look at the pictures and if they see that maybe a component's missing or we replated the things, uh, those are points off. Because they want to see, okay, we were able to take this picture in a perfect environment. So now when we're under all this pressure... Are we performing at that same level that we we promised them we were going to? Okay, so I think that's very. Is there any? Is there ever any uh, controversy here? I suppose because it's it's subjective scoring. Uh, although the the sanitation does not sound very subjective. That's I think you can nail that down pretty easily. And I'm sure there's a guy in there who does excellently. But uh, for the rest of it, it it ends up being I, I suppose subjective. So is is there? I, I assume there must be a lot of drama. Is that accurate? Absolutely. All, all cooking is subjective. And even if you go out, you're sitting at a table with somebody, oh, this is the best pizza I ever had. Really? This pizza sucks. Right, right, right. <laughs> Same conversation. So, yeah, you, you have to take things back when, when those judges are grading the food and not say, oh, I don't like onions, but okay, <laughs> is the cooked perfectly. But over in Europe, a lot of the vegetables are cooked much farther than they are in other different parts of the world. So like we, we as a country, like our vegetables more crisp over in Europe, they're more cooked down. They're a little, not mushier. doesn't sound good, but you know, for lack of a better word, mushier is fine for, for us laymen, I suppose. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're, you're also catering to individuals tastes at that point, which is weird too, but every country is judged by every other country, which I feel like is the only fair way to do it. So that's super cool. Absolutely. Can you, do do they give you, as I asked earlier, do they actually give you the score sheets? Uh, they do. They give us the, the breakdown so we can go back and see, um, and the reason they have to submit that is so, okay, if the Scandinavian judge hates us or the, the judge from Sweden and he marks us all zeros or like forties, 
uh, it's very clear, even in the scoring in on our end, say, hey, you know, everyone else scored us high 90s and you scored us a 40. Like, there's something wrong. Uh, yeah, so something, something clear. fishy. Okay, uh, I would love to see one of those, by the way. So uh, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure you took a picture. Because, yeah, that, that's the most interesting part to me. It's like it's such a difficult thing to do is to you're trying to objectively judge something which is just not objective. So... I think it's always a, it's a fine line and uh, that's, I guess, why competitive cooking uh, seems super cool. And so you can't do this simultaneously, I assume, right? So it, how long do these, how long do these competitions last? Because you can't cook for, uh, you're not cooking for 125 people while all 32 countries are also doing that, correct? Right. So it's usually broken up over a couple of days like germany was five days i think luxembourg was five days and then france was two days and you kind of you kind of balance the different categories who's going on what day what countries know that there's the top 10 strong countries that are going to do well so you kind of mix them up too um so it's not all on the same day so everyone's on the so what do you you what do you prefer doing i feel like it'd be nice to you go first day and then you get two days to sit back and relax and enjoy being there although you gotta wait yeah, well, they kind of space it out. So, like, we did, uh, I think we did cold food first this time. Yeah, in, in Luxembourg, we did hot food first, and then we had a couple days, and then we did cold food. Uh, and this time, we did cold food first, and then we did hot food a couple days later. Um, so, it, it's always nice to just, I like to do the cold food later in the program, because we're coming from another country. So, if we, like, for Luxembourg, we did cold food first. We had to ship everything over with us, almost done. So you're presenting stuff. They don't eat the cold table, so it's more of a, a skill that they're judging in the execution side. Oh, they, so they, they don't – oh, okay. That is super – that is super strange, actually, if you don't mind yeah. me saying so. So they don't – they don't – so they're just judging you on, on, on aesthetics? Aesthetics, uh, plating, technique, um, nutritional value. So – Back in the day, nutritional value. You're kidding me. Okay, so go ahead. Back in the day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But back in the day, um, they would make these platters, and they would sit. The food would sit out because it was a, a like hotel restaurant show. So this food would sit out for several hours, um, so people could walk around and see the new trends in food, and all these things. But all your food's going bad, and right in the end, you can't. Yeah, you can't eat that after eight hours of of thousands of people filing by it okay yeah that makes sense i guess and they started to uh put a clear coating on it, aspect gelatin coating right um, so now we like glaze all the food in the clear gel and we plate it but the food has to look uh, hot like it just came out of the kitchen but it's ice cold and it's been sitting there for hours okay that is super interesting yeah so i was confused when you said that you shipped it over so you literally shipped already baked or already made goods over okay yeah and we'll do some stuff over there uh and you kind of you know go with it you you sometimes you need to make things fresh sometimes our asparagus is better than theirs sometimes theirs is better than ours so you bring over what you can and uh you know it's hit or miss but like we did the cold food program first in luxembourg or i'm sorry in luxembourg we did the hot food program first and then the cold program um each so I did pastry for the hot program and myself and one of my teammates both brought our program like packed, scaled out, ready to go. When I got there, my luggage didn't show up. 
we still had his, so we were ready to go, no problem. So we did the hot food, got a gold medal, and then we were a day out before the cold food, and we're at four days now, and my bags still haven't showed up. I start kind of remaking all these pieces, go to the store, buy all the stuff, and start working on it, and my stuff showed up, and because I packed it properly, uh, everything was still ice cold, like ice packs were still frozen. Four days later, of knowing no idea where my stuff was, everything was still good to go. So I pulled it up, started slicing, it was good to go. So that story is ridiculous for, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, so you, you brought this food over in your personal luggage? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's ridiculous. First off, and uh, yeah, it's as you like used... yeah, the trunks that we use, and uh, we like custom make like styrofoam coolers to fit inside of them. I mean, obviously, you did a good job if it was still ice cold four days later. But okay. So the second ridiculous thing is, so you said you okay. Say it didn't show up. You went to the store. You were literally you just walked to a, a grocery store around the corner, and you're like, well. Now I just have yeah. to re- remake all this and you would have done it from whatever grocery store was nearest to your hotel or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. There's huge mega marts over there and their grocery stores are, are ridiculous. I mean, you see a whole uh, chickens with the head and feet on in the cooler and whole rabbits like they were just shot out of the woods and put in there with fur on and everything. So their grocery stores are just ridiculous over there compared to ours. Where is that? Um, over in like in Lyon, France, the, uh, the Les Halls, de Paul Bocuse over there. That's the most amazing market I've ever been to. Okay. Um, very cool. I can't say I've been to that. I, I will, I will say, uh, I will say, so I live, I live currently in Brussels, which is, uh, so I live in the city, which is the problem, I suppose. Uh, cause we don't, we don't, I have a hard time finding, uh, any exotic ingredients or large uh, grocery stores at all, uh, our, our best are organic, but they're still not, uh, they, they don't have the palate here is a little, uh, bland, let's say, and I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't know how else to describe that. Um, so, yeah. so I've, yeah, I have a hard time finding peppers, which is driving me nuts. I want to garden. Do you garden by the way? I do. I have a you beautiful gar- garden. Out you back. make, okay. Out back of your apartment? Out back of, uh, work. Okay, of work even better. Of course you do at work. Yes, of course yeah. that makes. Of course that makes sense. Oh, cool. That's super nice. What are you making back there? I have cucumbers, corn, uh, peas, strawberries, blueberries, a fig tree, uh, patty pan, squash, five different peppers. What peppers? Broccoli. So that's that's what I'm most interested in. What peppers you got? The peppers. I have golden cayenne, banana peppers. Uh, Thai chilies, habanero, and uh, some Carolina Reaper. Oh my goodness! Most excellent. Would you a maniac? I guess you are in Carolina, so that <laughs> so that's uh, so that's required, I suppose. That's that's the hometown. Oh, that's super excellent. Okay, nice. And I assume you're you're using that for cooking in the office, I guess, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing the customer out there. We go pick vegetables before we come in and cook it. And oh no, you don't. That that must that's the best sales meeting there could be, right? Absolutely. Okay, that's awesome. Um, okay, I want to ask some some stupid questions. I guess what's the what's what do you think's the worst food you've ever had? I actually just had it when I was in <laughs> Chile. Yes. Okay. What was it? And it's called puree, 
and it's this seafood. I don't even know what it is, but it's almost like a uh, one of those mussels, kind of like a or mussels, like a mollusk, like clam yeah, or something sure. like that. But it's this weird, crazy. It looks like coral, but it's not. It's like soft and meaty. Oh, and God. I was down there, and we were like, "She's like, all right, uno dos tres." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, uno dos tres." Put this thing in my mouth, and I. It was just like pure iodine and sandy and gritty, and I didn't want to be rude, so I like was yeah. kind of holding my mouth, and the guy was like, oh, spit it out, man. It's terrible. I know. And I was like, oh, what was that? So, okay, so that's really nice. I'm glad to hear that it was just recent. So why'd they make you do it just to see you spit it out? They love it. So they were like, oh, try something new, but I guess – it must be something on, on your palate or if you grow up eating it and you become accustomed to it because these girls were just crushing it. And the other guy was like, no, it's gross. Man. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was um, like, you could have said something. <laughs> so I've had, I've had someone try to sell me that. I had someone try to sell me, uh, you try something, you know, he, he was saying four times, he was saying four times and it, you'll like it. So far, I've found that to be fairly accurate. Uh, there, there are almost no foods I don't like, um, but there are definitely foods I wouldn't try four times, I guess. So that would probably... I would never put that back in my mouth again. <laughs> Ever. Was it cooked? No, raw. Oh, my goodness. No. So the rest of this table was unbelievable. I mean, you have a whole pile of sea urchin, and they're just opening it up, and you're eating it with your fingers. Uh, clams, mussels, oysters, just raw. And it's literally right on the, like on the dock of the ocean. So they're bringing this stuff in as fresh as it gets. And I'm like in food heaven. So they're like, try this ugly red thing. I'm like, all right. Oh, terrible. I'm surprised I didn't pass out. It was that bad. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay. And so I actually, I do, I do want to find out about the knife. How do you feel about knives? So I assume you're you're lucky uh, in that you probably get infinite free knives from your company, right? So uh, for a let's say uh, a layman, we need we need a cheap-ish knife off Amazon. What's the call? Is there a particularly respected one that's fine for for us uh, amateurs? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, you can even get some really nice knives off of. Uh, there's some great websites now where you can get knives from Japan at a good price. Uh, and there's so many commercially processed ones that, that just aren't that great. And even the ones you see in Williams Sonoma and stuff like that, they're not, they're okay knives, but you pay a fortune for them and they're not that great. If you kind of look around, there's different knife companies that you can get. I would definitely go Japanese. Okay. So, so you're, you're sticking with the, uh, cause I mean, that's, that's what, you know, that's been the conventional wisdom forever is that, that they have the best knives, but you're sticking with that even with, uh, all the, all the technology you're dealing with around you. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't, we don't work with any knives. I mean, we have machines that, uh, slice and dice for you that can do 50 pounds of onions in <laughs> under a minute. And while it takes you, you know, a minute to cut one onion. Um, so that part's always pretty amazing. Okay, but, but yeah, a basic chef knife. Um, there's there's so many different brands now, and there's even these companies that are getting from from individual knife makers at a great price that is really affordable. 
And is there is there another tool? Is there another tool that you you think most of uh, us amateurs is either underrate or don't know about? Um, I think every chef would agree that a spoon is your next best tool. Really? Because That's interesting. I, I wouldn't. Okay. You know, Tell me why. Go. Because, well, you need to stir. You need a spoon. You need to stir things. You need to baste food. Uh, but you need to taste, and tasting is the only way you become better as a chef. Understanding how uh, different mixes, different vinegars, salts, different things react, and tasting along the way, taste, 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 is the only way you're gonna train your palate to get better and stronger. Uh, so I think, I think even if you look at chef tattoos, the most common ones are a knife and a spoon. Really? Okay. Do you have a chef tattoo? I do. It was my first tattoo. Nice. And it's my worst tattoo. <laughs> it's how it <laughs> usually goes, hand in hand. Okay. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a dinner knife and fork, just a basic outline. And when I I went to get, I got it when I was in culinary school, and I got it that night, and I was so stoked, and I was showing everybody. And uh, I woke up the next morning, like took a shower, and uh, like I, I looked down, and it was gone. And I was like, huh? And so I went to the, the tattoo shop and he said, oh, your skin rejected the ink. I've never heard of that before. An entire tattoo go missing. Um, but I had the scarring. That is absolutely wild. I, <laughs> yeah, that I've is gone that. like two or three times now. So it's like wider in some areas and thin and, and scarred over. So it's really bad but well okay so that's not that's not the fault of the design or the artist that's uh that's just real strange. I think well I think the first time it was the the artist because I've since then gotten about 30 hours of work done um either my half sleeve or my leg and things like that and have had no issues but to get that little tiny one have it disappear was kind of strange Okay, yeah, that's why that must have been extremely confusing for you. Yeah. <laughs> Shower the next morning, you're like, "Hey, check this tattoo. What?" Okay. And what uh what's your uh what's your specialty? What what do you think you're the best at? So, I'm I'm French trained uh by going to the Culinary Institute and then went to the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia and did the apprenticeship program there. So, my style is definitely taking all those techniques from France and developing these rich sauces and all these different layers and creating them into more modern presentations, a little bit lighter in appearance. But when you still eat them, you're getting all that great flavor and richness balanced with a little acid or salt or whatever the case is. Uh, but that's definitely my style. Okay, that's a, a sauce. That's a good answer. Right? That's a good answer because that's uh, that's a fluid. I feel like okay, fluid literally, but uh, that's a fluid branch, I suppose. Um, and what would be your, uh, what's your go-to, uh, I don't know, it's six o'clock, you're heading home, all of a sudden your, your friend's coming over for dinner, what's your go-to? Uh, at that point, you're looking at steaks on the grill. Okay, nice, that's a good answer too, <laughs> friends always like that. <laughs> you know, if I could cook everything on the grill, which is almost possible, I would totally do it. <laughs> Which is almost possible. Yeah, that's a nice thing. So you're down in, how long you been in uh, Carolina? Been almost two years now, and I really love it down here. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's grilling weather all the time, I suppose, so you're... <laughs> Except now, there's like a tornado watch outside. Okay, down. <laughs> not ideal. Okay, I didn't know that. Stay, stay safe, I guess. Um, 
what's the what do you what would you recommend to easiest thing for uh amateur to to do to impress someone oh man i think i think even a steak is one of those things that people are just so enamored by i think us being you know homo sapiens and and primitive fire and that hunter gather with the meat like I think just if somebody can cook a steak, even on my, my website, I have a couple recipes for cooking a great steak. If you can do that, it's everyone is wild. Unless they're a vegetarian, then you're screwed. But Yeah, then, then you're in trouble. But no, 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 I get that. You have someone, and it's a status thing as well. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think those are, those are two valid answers. You have the recipes for steaks on the website. What's your website? I haven't seen it. Uh, so my website is just my name, CoreyBSiegel.com, and I have a couple different recipes on there. People can uh, try them at home, get some different ideas, some photos about uh, my cooking experience in the past, all these international competitions, way to contact me, uh, some just cool stories, videos. Uh, it's pretty fun. You guys should check it out. Okay, and are you doing, do you do, uh, do you do lessons? you teach? I do. I've been doing, uh, actually teaching this competition segment for quite a while now, um, kind of on my own. But now with work, we do segments all the time where we have chefs come in. So yesterday I did a whole barbecue seminar with 15 chefs from around the country. So they came in and we looked at how to, how to execute a barbecue program without even having a smoker outside. So with our ovens, being able to do so many different things and now include this barbecue and smoke technique into your program is super cool to be able to share this information. Right, right, right. So I see, I see what you're getting at with the technology, right? Because you're probably blowing minds. You're like, we're going to do a barbecue without the smoker. Check out our new oven and whatnot. And that's super cool. Oh, that must be super fun. Okay. And any celebrity chefs that have street cred? Yeah, I think you have several of them that have, have established themselves um let's name names who's who's got street cred because I, I i i must admit i don't pay attention to watching watching people cook food uh is is teasing and and hurtful to me so i i tend to avoid <laughs> yeah right there's no there's no ending right I'll, I'll watch a youtube video if i'm trying to learn but if it's just for fun i'd rather be eaten i suppose instead of just right. teasing myself. oh yeah. man that looks so good i'm right. so hungry great I, so who are the celebrity chefs and if you want to talk like celebrity, like Food Network, uh, I think they, they all have their different skill sets. Uh, you know, like Bobby Flay, you know, people give him so much crap, but he started off as, as a chef and the guy can cook and he, he just loved grilling and ended up having a life uh, on TV, which, which is great for him. Um, and I'm not too up on, I know there's so many new celebrities coming up every day. Um, on these but even when you have shows like top chef like may lynn she's a good friend of mine and she's just a, a freaking badass and i love getting to cook with her i love watching what she's cooking or posting or where she's going uh, so that's pretty dope and does that does that appeal to you in any way yeah something something like top chef and i can't say i can't say i, I even know what's the conceptually what top chef is but i assume it's a competition uh, which uh, on a basic level is what you're doing. So does that appeal to you at all? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of those shows, anytime you can be in front of people, everybody wants to be known. I mean, let's be real about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically, yeah, right. 
that's why that's why people you know do things they do. Yes, everyone's passionate about what they do, but you want to be recognized, of course. It's one of the you know, one of the laws of, of being alive. And so any of those food shows, they're great, great exposure to be on, to uh, tell people your message and all that stuff. So sure, I'd love to be on all that stuff. And I find it hard to believe you you haven't had a chance because, I mean, once again, there there are five gold medals hanging in your room, my dude. So I've, <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like you could, you could get a little love there because that's absolutely wild. Yeah, you know, the biggest the biggest thing, Nick, is nobody knows about that, you know. There's there hasn't been uh, there really hasn't been a focus on these culinary competitions around the world uh, to get people interested. So when it, even when I talk about the culinary Olympics a lot, it's like, oh, so you used to cook for Michael Phelps or something? Like, no, I am Michael Phelps. No, I but am in the food Michael world, except Phelps. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. I, I suppose that is interesting. I mean, I, I knew it existed. I knew, uh, you know, but of course, it's not something that is particularly popular outside of a, a niche uh, demographic, I suppose. But that's still, that's absolutely wild. Um, okay, so we got Bobby Flay. I, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I think I'm I'm happy, man. We've been going for 54 minutes. Uh Thank you very much for finding time to do this. Uh, you've been absolutely great, Corey. I, I had no idea you were doing all this, and it was awesome that you uh, were giving talks over in uh, in Chile because you came out here. You you had no hesitation in any of your answers, and you knew exactly what you were talking about for everything, which was absolutely wonderful, right? And I assume yeah. that has to do with the fact that you are currently working as a, a promoter or whatnot. So you're 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 doing this every day. So this was, uh, even better than expected. That, that was fucking awesome. Thank you, Corey. Oh, cool. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope you had fun. Cause I did. 